Do you often observe people and see how come they always seem to be lucky? Or how come they always seem to be able to utilize their networks to get the things they want and need? Well, in Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 23, Chris Field explains the truth behind the statement, the more I talk to people, the luckier I get. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast, lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Well, hello, men, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen, and I'm back with my friend and voice extraordinaire. Co-host will do the job. Chris Field here with you, and it's great to be back uh, with Guy. And uh, we've got a rather fascinating topic to talk with you today that Guy sprung on me. And when he did, I thought, you know what, this is going to be really good. So I'm glad you're with us, Guy. Well, before we get to that, there's something we have to deal with. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, we have to deal with something first. What in the world? What in the world? <laughs> well, this is a setup. We, we do have to say happy birthday to young Mr. Field here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When I'm 64, that's very, very sweet of you to kind of uh, dig that track out for me. Yes, I've just turned 64, everybody, and uh, I have to decide whether my wife still needs me, will still feed me, and what, will she still miss me, will she still kiss me when I'm 64? Oh, well, okay. So this is the birthday show for uh, well, Chris. Thank so, you. so what have you learned? What do you learn about listening, and why is it important? Wow, uh, I I had a very fascinating experience as a young pastor. I was pastoring a church in New Zealand, and uh, it was quite a fun uh, situation. One of the young men came to me, uh, older than me, but he came along and said that he'd just done a a course in his corporation on listening. And I thought, and he wanted to run it and uh, do the, the the talk amongst our men's group and. I was of the mind that uh, at our men's group, we only discussed biblical things, you know, mm-hmm. and that this was a secular talk from a corporation, you know, it was about listening skills. And anyone knows how to listen for crying out loud, you know, why would we need to do this, have this presentation? But he was a nice guy and he asked the question nicely. And I thought, OK, well, fair enough. So we made time for him to do the talk <laughs> next week. And it just about destroyed me, blew me away because everything he described about bad listening was exactly what I did. And all the things that were important about listening were the things that I didn't do. And I began to wonder even when he when he did the corporate course and learned what he learned, if he wasn't actually thinking about me when he listened to it. And hence he came to me and suggested that they'd share the talk at our men's group. But I was really deeply challenged about how um, uh, ignorant I was in terms of listening skills, how reluctant I was to truly listen to people, how many people I had I abused and took advantage of by my loud voice and by my confident manner in which I just trampled all over them without hearing anything of what they were trying to say at nearly any level. Ugh, I, all, and all the habits that he, that he described as the wrong things to do, I thought, I, I do them all the time. So I had two parts there. First of all, you had this all of a sudden this aha moment that you realised that you were a terrible listener. But then the second element was, well, what does it matter? Did you actually did you actually make those two jumps at the same time? Do you realise, well, does it actually matter? Do I actually have to be a good listener? I think I could tell pretty well straight away that my behaviour was so shoddy that it, I didn't ever want to continue to be the bad listener that I was. I was just so convicted. I knew I had to change my game. And uh, I only had the points that he was drawing to our attention, but they were so obvious, you know, uh, in terms of actually what, what listening. What were some of those things that... 
Well, he talked about the fact that a lot of people don't listen. They actually play verbal ping pong. And so you make some comment and bring something up and that uh, presses a button in my head and I think, oh, I've got something I want to add to that. And Mm -hmm. so I jump in. But even worse, as soon as that button is pressed in my head, I'm actually rehearsing what I want to say Mm -hmm. rather than even listening. Do you finish your point? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, oh, guys, on about that. I've got an interesting point to add about that. And my, my brain is running over what I'm going to say when you think I'm listening to what you're saying. Mm. I said, goodness, I, I just do that all the time. And then as soon as the person draws breath, if you think that it's okay to crash in, you crash over them. Say, oh, yeah, 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 but, but. And you, we throw our bit in and we've stolen the conversation from them. And then they feel offended and miffed by that. And then they're only listening to the chance to get back in and finish what their emotional energy said that they had to say. And, and so they're not listening to me while I prognosticate on my opinion and then they steal it back off me and I feel like hey I haven't finished what I wanted to say and nothing's been achieved in the whole half hour of all of this duologue supposed duologue it's just uh, uh, verbal ping pong between the two people I thought I do that all the time yeah and it becomes all about you rather than about the other person when you're listening you should be trying to listen and to understand what the other person's saying but if you want to jump in and expel your thoughts it becomes simply about well me 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 and yeah. and that's not a and at the deepest level what it was really saying to me was i really didn't care about the other person at all yeah i really cared about impressing them with how smart i was mm-hmm. or how quick my mind was or how my set of experiences was as good as or better than theirs it was all as you say me 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 all the way down the line there's a couple of acronyms i want to bring into this one of them is w-a-i-t which those who are learned amongst you realize it spells weight but it also is a acronym for why am I talking? Right. And and a, and a practice that I've been trying to get into my head is to think of that acronym and to not speak unless I actually have something that the other person is going to benefit from me saying. Not just to get something off my chest and to just you know get on the platform and, and join in the conversation, but to actually provide something which is of value. And with that, I guess we come up with this phrase that we was pretty common today about a talk fest. You have a situation where people are simply blabbing on about whatever it is as their favourite topic and their opinion about their favourite topic and nothing is being achieved at all. What took me further, though, with this session, because it was a very good session that this guy actually shared, and, and I, I have to say that his corporation and whoever was providing that material all those years ago was doing a brilliant job. That was back in the, in the late 70s. We're talking a long time ago. I know I look younger than that. <laughs> <laughs> would, have been, would have been pretty uncommon back then. Yeah. Uh, to, yes. Yeah. And all I these think, management stuff were a rage in the yeah. 90s and so on. But. It was groundbreaking and certainly revolutionary for me. But the other thing that, that they talked about then is, is the more positive side of how to listen, which is not just to appear to be paying attention, but to catch what the other person's saying mm. and see if you can't actually feed it back to them in different words to what they were using to confirm from them that you've actually understood it. And mm. so when you do that in your own words, putting back to them and say, what I hear you saying is, or is it true that, am I right in, in hearing you say this, putting it in different words? And, and what a gift that is for people. I, I've done that for decades, obviously, since that time as I've begun to learn that skill. The number of times people look up at you almost a bit startled and look into your eyes and with that look of delight. Yes, that's actually what I'm saying. Like, you actually care? You actually are listening? It just sent such a powerful signal to people when you actually did listen to them. It's one of the most affirming things we can do to someone is to actually listen. 
There's actually a quote I want to bring in here, and the quote is, Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. That's from uh, David Augsburger. Yeah. So being heard and being understood is so close to being loved that it is almost indistinguishable. And that's that gift that you give when you paraphrase, you reframe, you summarize. And someone knows they're understood, it produces... You know, it produces that emotion, doesn't it? It does. And I found that, that it's been very, very helpful. And it's obviously in a counselling situation. Someone's going to be sharing something that means a lot to them, whether it seems significant or insignificant to me. It obviously means a lot to them to listen and to repackage it and put it back to them and say, is this what I hear you saying? Is this, is this really where you're at? And then once you've got to that point and the person really feels like, wow, you actually are listening, to actually say, why don't we take it further? You don't say it in those words, but you might say, how did you feel about that? Or, or I would have been, I would have found that really hard to cope with. How did you cope with it? And you're actually saying to them, not only am I listening, I'm so interested, I'm prepared to invite you to share more of yourself with me. And that's the, the cream on top of the cake for the other person, uh, which gives them that real sense, wow, you actually care. You actually do want to know. Now, I can't say that I do that all the time with my wife and my kids and the people around me and people on the phone. And I mean, I can fob people off uh, irresponsibly all over the place. But when I'm conscious to do so, Hmm. that the material that goes right back to the late 1970s that I heard from that young man sharing at that men's group changed my life. Yeah. So you had a a moment of awareness there. And um, how would you say that that, well, you say it changed your life. How did it change your life? I think it, it exposed to me how selfish I was. It, it was like putting a mirror up there and saying, look at how egotistical, look at how um, much you abuse other people by wanting to force your impressions of yourself onto them by the way you respond without listening, mm-hmm. by just uh, preening my feathers and trying to look clever when I respond to whatever they're talking about. Uh, and then also... Look at what you're missing out on. There are people out there that you could actually get to know and relate to and understand, and they could be amongst some of your best friends, but they're never going to be in that category as long as you keep playing this aren't I clever performance instead of actually just listening to them and seeing who they are, valuing them for, for what they're, they're on about. Mm-hmm. So I found that relationally I've, I've been able to, and people compliment me on how quickly I can meet a stranger and get to some really nice place of communication but it's really a, just a refinement of that very process. I take an interest, a genuine interest. I listen. Uh, and that invariably shows me that that person has much more to offer me than I would have uh, ever assumed. And I'm no longer seeing them, oh, here's another person I can impress. It's here's a person I can actually get to know, I can relate to. And sometimes you talk to different people and you dig into their life and you feel like, well, I don't particularly want to know you or, or relate to you. It's not like everybody is, is going to be your best pal. But the skill set, or not so much the skill set, that almost sounds like it's a, a, a trickery, a tool, a, 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 a sleight of hand gimmick. No, the actual skill set of being able to listen to people um, is just the natural part of improving the way I relate to everybody around me all the time. Yeah, and I saw that. I've seen that a number of times, obviously, with, with us doing these podcasts and the way that you, you summarize and take a real strong interest in what's being said. There was another occasion when we went to the... Uh, we went to a prison to uh, visit somebody. That's right. And uh, within about 10 minutes, you'd made friends with all the prison guards. And, and, uh, and through your... I won't, tell, I won't say that they, they all knew me from when I did time or anything like that. And, uh, 
And uh, you also managed to come back from the canteen with a whole lot of free stuff. Oh, that was a good day, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so there are, there are some side benefits of uh, taking an interest in people and, you know, it, it comes back to you, doesn't it? Well, I, I, of the last year, I guess I found myself making a statement to my friends uh, that I've not made before, but I, I felt like I wanted to encourage other people to consider communicating better mm. and I, I have this silly little saying that I it's not unique to me but the more people I talk to the luckier I get yeah and because I have now thanks to other people making me become aware of it uh, slowly and progressively developed the sense for taking interest in other people mm. when you discover that you're taking interest in someone else and they enjoy you doing so and you build a better relationship then anything and everything about who they are is 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 now available to be a part of your life journey. And they may be the concierge at, at, at a, an apartment block who you just happen to be able to relate to well because you take an interest in them and chat to them. And then they say, oh, by the way, don't use that lift, use this one over here, it's faster. And you say, well, I'm luckier now because I talked to someone and now I have a little edge on, on what to do in this situation. Or they might say, well, if you're coming back this afternoon, don't do it between 4 and 4.30. That's a killer time. Try and get in by 10 to 4. And suddenly then I've got this edge, uh, an advantage, a little benefit, a blessing. Um, I'm luckier just because of talking to people. The more people I talk to, the luckier I get. But what that means in, in, in terms of our listening skills is the more sensibly and responsibly I listen to other people, then the more benefit I get out of it, and so do they, because we actually come to a, another level of relationship. Well, listening is a gift. Mm. And so it's just like exchanging a gift. When you exchange a gift with somebody, both the giver and the receiver are blessed by it. And so when you give that gift of listening, they are blessed, but you are as well. And you know, and when you give gift after gift after gift, it's just natural that people want to reciprocate, and eventually that, that comes back to you in some form. So, yeah. I want to just um, talk through, just for the analytical listeners amongst us, just talk through three different levels of listening. You're going to take us deeper, are oh, you? Well, you've already, touched on, <laughs> you've already touched on some key points, but the first one is just the, the informational, if you like, the, the informal gathering of information. Like you might just listen to a weather report, you might yeah. listen to the news. What time is it? Where did you park your car? Yeah, yeah. you're sitting at a lecture and you're, you know, the, there's a droll, a lecturer giving you calculus instructions and you're just taking notes you're just taking in the information you're not really engaging with the the person who's providing that information you're just taking it in and it's all very it's all very one-dimensional uh so and you may or may not be paying attention or news might be on you might be listening but not really listening and so and you mentioned before is that that when when you're listening to somebody like that you're what you're probably doing is thinking about what your question is, what it is, how you're going to respond as soon as there's a break in the conversation. And that's that sort of first level of, yeah. of course. Or your mind could just be wandering off if yeah, you're hardly just, really listening at all. Could just be wandering suggest. off, you'd be yeah. thinking about what you're going to do in the weekend mm -hmm. and so on. Then the next level of listening is sort of that the active or uh, attention, mm -hmm. attentive listening. And that is where you, you're not only listening to what being said, but you're also playing a paying a very close awareness to the speaker and non also verbal and non-verbal forms of communication. So their tone and the, their facial expressions and how they're moving there. I'm moving my gestures now. You can't see me as you're, you're <laughs> Threatening listening. Threatening me with your arms. 
So taking a much more active mm-hmm. role in the communication process, the active listening. And so not just absorbing facts, but engaging more as a communicator and actually really concentrating on what is being said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's really the minimum that is required for when you're in a relationship with yeah. somebody, with your wife or with your kids, because if you're just taking in the information, not engaging, mm-hmm. then the people, the person, other person who's talking to you is not going to get that feedback that they're really being listened to and understood. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I guess a lot of um, conversation with people who are our loved ones, the people around us, degenerates into kind of a sort of a process um, a listening. It's like, uh, everything all right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a kind of very shallow, um, superficial level of communication. And that someone comes in and they want to complain about uh, a kid comes in wants to complain about what happened in the playground or out in the, and we're sort of half listens like oh it's another mm. one of those complaints oh yeah little and we're not actually really taking as much interest as we should. Yeah, so I was doing this the other night. My son was playing a... This is, this is confession this time. This is confession yeah. time. Okay, so <laughs> if I was doing this the other night, my, my son was playing a game on my wife's phone. It's, it's very rarely unlocked, so he managed to grab it, grab it, and he had to go off and do something, so he passed me the phone, so I was finishing off the, uh, the level for him, and my wife came in and started talking about something, and I was still sort of... Ah, doing you were this absorbed. Thing, still ah. doing this thing on the game. Yes, honey. Yep. And she was you know, talking to me. You're not listening, are you? Yes, yes, I'm listening while I was still continuing to work on the phone. I'm listening. I can do two things at once. No, you're not listening, are you? And, she's, and she wandered off into another room. And I realized, oh, uh, <laughs> I've messed up here. So I put the phone, I put it on pause, put the phone down and went and apologized and called her back and said, hey, I'm ready to listen now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so our wives in particular are so perceptive, aren't they? They know when we're not really, really listening, not actively listening. Yeah, and I think one of the dangers too is that sometimes someone will say, you're not listening, and we'll say, oh, yes, I am. The last three things you said were That's one, two, said, and three. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not really listening That's right. with heart. I don't know, what's, what, what's, is there a technical term for that? We're well, not... being able to recite the facts back, that shows that we were doing the, the informational listening. Yes. Right, but we weren't doing the active listening. We weren't really engaged. Our, our face and our, our voice and our tone, our body language mm-hmm. wasn't matching up with what we were saying. Yeah. And as you say, wives and children, I'm sure, pick that up quite readily. So, so the third level, the highest, the highest level, I guess, of, of listening is, is the intuitive listening. Intuitive listening. So this involves a much higher level of concentration and awareness. And this, is, this might be what you, you know, you typically might call this reading between the lines. Mm-hmm. So working out when somebody is speaking what is it that's not being said, which has been communicated? What are you learning about the values, their attitudes, their beliefs even? What are you learning about? Are you, are you noticing any inconsistencies in what they're saying? Are you learning some, some things which aren't obvious just from what you see on the surface? So this is the third level. And I'd probably use the term uh, empathetic listening, where you're sort of trying to relate into the the feelings the the the, more the whole person rather than just the words that are coming out of their mouth in terms of what's going on yeah and so it's probably not a level that we spend a lot of time at but it's a level that you know that obviously that counselors and coaches and so on are trained very well at being able to do but there's there's great benefits in 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 us also in being able to get to this level at least occasionally when we need to, maybe it's in, uh, you know, even in, in a business sense, if you're in, in a negotiation, 
or you're in a business meeting. If you're paying this sort of attention to what is being said, then you might be able to work out some ways of moving forward and some really clever questions to ask, some intuitive questions to ask that could really benefit who you're working for. I'm going to throw in uh, something of a slight difference that complements this here. Many, many years ago, there was a, a feeling in industry that you had to fake it until you make it. Mm. It was image was, was very important. So if you want to can, to be a successful salesman, then, then look like one, talk like one, pretend you're one, um, as it were, and somehow uh, you get your act together over time. I came to a very different conclusion at that time. And it was that in order for you to appear to be genuinely caring, by far the surest and most sound way to ever do it is to become genuinely caring. Hmm. If you're going to try and fake it, then you, you're just setting yourself up for all kinds of dangers. Uh, if you want to be to appear to be diligent, the most effective and powerful way to do that is to become diligent. Hmm. Right? If you want to appear to be a good listener, the most impressive way to ever achieve that is to become a hmm. good listener. And I just want to sort of reflect that mm. in here, that it's not a matter of, of this guy was guilty of looking up at his wife and saying, yeah, 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 trying to put on the appearance of listening. For us to really get to that deeper level of listening, we actually have to practice it. We have to make up our mind, I want to be that kind of listener. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the faking until you're making it can can work, but the trap the trap that you that a lot of people will fall into is that they will get complacent with the faking it and that will be enough mm-hmm. right and they will be getting the results in the short term from faking it and and at some point they, they will continue to do that and then at some point they might get found out and then and then you've then you've got a whole lot of trouble mm-hmm. so you know Muhammad Ali of course was just a classic of faking it until he made it he believed he was the best and he became the best mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a dangerous, dangerous path to take, I think. I think, too, while we're building on listening, I'm going to make a comment here that will relate to those people that have around them, their wife or their children, uh, people that they relate to on an ongoing basis. I think most men, if they're guilty of anything toward the people who they should be loving around them, mm. will fall into the sin of neglect. They will take that person for granted. We mm. take our wives for granted. We take our kids for granted. We take our parents, other people, for granted unconsciously. I think it's a male thing. A woman is more likely to to feel the need to reconnect with extended family or with someone they haven't caught up with when the bloke will say, oh, we'll get around to it. There's just there's a, a greater propensity to neglect. And I would like to suggest that maybe some of the men listening to this, if you're feeling somewhat challenged, the finger of God is touching some part within you and you recognize you might need to do something about this, I'd encourage you just to pray and say, God, what am I missing? What am I missing? What have I not heard from my wife? What have I not heard from my kids? What is it that that other people around me are saying and I am not hearing? And actually ask for a a divine hearing test just to be able to get a a reactivation of, of awareness. As you begin to experience listening at this deeper level that you're talking about mm-hmm. you what did you I don't call it empathetic listening but you call it intuitive, intuitive listening as the spirit of god prompts that level of listening it it it's exciting and it's liberating and we want more of it it's a wonderful thing to feel that we've perceived through uh, the veneer uh, an example 
I was traveling many years ago in a car with my wife on a holiday trip, which meant we were traveling for a couple of days. You know, you'd travel one day, stay somewhere, catch up with some friends and get in the car and keep traveling the next day. And it was sometime in the midst of the second day that one of my boys in the back was, was getting annoyed about something and the voices were being raised. Something was happening and and I was driving. You know, you don't want to be bothered with having to stop and give someone a lecture. You don't know. You, know, you just want everyone to be quiet and, and survive until we get where we're going. And But as we were driving, just something, I, I don't know whether I prayed, I don't know how this was precipitated, but I just suddenly had this thought come into my heart that that boy is actually suffering from a deficit of dadness. <laughs> he, he, I needed to have made more of a positive investment in him, affirmation or something. I, just this just intuitive sense that just came upon me. I wasn't expecting it. And I thought to myself, wow. You know, so I, I kind of said whatever I had to say as a dad to get everyone to sort of settle down. And you go back to reading your books, everybody, you know, just quiet, please. You know, and 20 more minutes, we'll take a break and we'll get you all a drink or something. I did something that, that quiet. And, but in my head, I knew that sometime in the next 48 hours, I had to get aside with that boy and put my arm around his shoulders and have a bit of a dad chat with him and just let him know that I cared. Now, I, I was surprised by that. I shared with my wife later that night how that I'd had that perception. And I, I, I suddenly felt like Superman. You know, I felt like, wow, I've perceived something that I would normally have been blind to. And it was a lovely feeling. I felt I'd like more of that. I, I really would be wonderful to be able to father uh, my children and, and to husband my wife and to interact with other people with, with these sudden bursts of intuition, mm. sudden insights mm. into situations that would otherwise have just passed as a... Uh, a disturbed moment and so I want to just encourage you guys as you listen pray and say God open my eyes what is it about my wife I've not seen or what is it in my kids that I, that I just take for granted and I just really need to see it through a different filter and through a different uh, and that all comes into the whole idea of listening so yeah well sense? there's a great verse that comes to mind as you speak that the purpose in a man's mind is like deep waters but a man of understanding will draw it out Proverbs yeah. 20 verse 5 yeah. And I was sort of just thinking as you were as you were talking there that how special that is to be able to parent at that level of intuition rather than just you know than, than just sort of going through the motions and having your mind on the football, having your mind on work, and but actually bringing your mind around to think about your children and your wife and just seeking to understand them. It doesn't mean you're doing that all the time. But just really seeking to understand. One of the dangers that we have is that those who are close to us, we think we assume we understand them, and so we can cut them off when we're talking when they're talking to us. We can finish their sentences for them, uh, or we can, and so our, our listening just can go out the window because we think we know them so well that we don't actually want to actually finish listening to them and really understand and understand them. So when we bring that our thoughts back to them and our attention back to them it doesn't take long just as they're speaking just really give them that full attention we can actually give them that gift of love and really really build that intuition um is it confession time again <laughs> not for me <laughs> well, okay for you I, I, i'm just picking up this thought that and I, um there's a word where we judge in advance pre-judice prejudice hmm. and i think that the people around us whom we know and love we form opinions of them. Hmm. So if I was to say to the average person that had multiple children, which of your children is the touchiest? They'd very quickly say, oh, it's that one. And 
which is the one that's that's more likely to be legalistic? Oh, that'll be that one. And which is the one that's more likely to uh, have an emotional downer? Oh, it'll be that one. So we kind of pigeonhole out the people around us. And uh, because we marry someone usually quite different to us, we, we're kind of very aware of our wife's uh, propensities, you know, that she'll be um, she'll be cautious when we when we want to be a bit more daring or or, uh, uh, you know, she'll want to process things in a different way. Because we know that that's their propensity, we make a pre-judgment about that. And so in the midst of doing something, when the wife raises her voice, but have you checked the insurance policy? We think, ah, oh, I know what that is. That's just her doing her thing, because that's her thing. And at that point, we're not listening. Hmm. At that point, we've actually, we've already predetermined that we're going to turn that sentence down. We're going to tune it out. Yeah. Or the child that's always coming saying, Dad, as soon as they come into the room saying, Dad, we, we, we automatically have prejudged that. The answer's encounter. no. What are you <laughs> going to ask? The answer's no. Now, I've seen you do that with your kids <laughs> before they've asked. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a confession time. Eh? So I think that that highlights the, the reality of a, a real blockage to our ability to listen and is that we have already predetermined that that tone of voice, that mm. issue that they're going to bring up, that mm. reaction to what we did is just a repeat of something we've been through 2,000 times already and we just want to shut it down. We want to just get it out of the picture. But it would could well be, I'm not speaking from experience here, it could well be revolutionary. Actually say, come in, sit down. Just, I'm going to give you 20 minutes. Just completely unpack that for me. Because we keep playing this record over and over again. Let, let's just find out what happens if you play it backwards. What, you know, let's just discover what this record really is all about and, and, and maybe uh, get a complete release. So that sounds like the challenge. The challenge for, us, for the men listening today okay. is to grab somebody close to you, whether it's your wife or a child, child parent. Or, or parent or yeah. friend, Put an arm around them and say, hey, can we sit down and have a chat for 20 minutes? Yeah. Do it over a breakfast, do it over a cup of yeah. coffee. And maybe the question to ask is, are there some things that you try to tell me that I don't seem to be able to hear? Mm. What would it be? Just mm. see what comes out. Can I throw in a testimony example here that someone else gave? I met a chap from South Australia many years ago. He came to present at a seminar and he was a chiropractor or something, running a very, very successful but very busy business. And he had a couple of kids and he had his wife and they were involved in assisting some ministry uh, along with their church. So they would just have just lots of things that they were doing. He came home from work at sort of just at dinner time one evening and his wife was in a bad mood. But he had to be out to a meeting almost straight away and he just had to throw his food down and he couldn't figure out why she was in a bad mood. He hated it when she was in a bad mood because it just messed up everything else. But he had to get out and get to his meeting. He got back late, went to bed, got up the next morning, worked a really, really hectic day came back from and his wife was still in that same bad mood and and so things were a bit tense but they had something else they had to get to that night and so they kind of just survived and got through that whole deal and it was on the third day that he got home from work and his wife was in a bad mood again and he had something else he had to do but he realized this is just going on too long and he just went to her in the kitchen and put his arms around her and said honey what in the world am I missing something's wrong here what in the world am I missing uh, you've been out of sorts for days now. What in the world is it? And and he recognised that he'd just neglected her because he was busy and he could have justified that. 
But he put his arms around her and she sort of got all stiff and tight. And no, it doesn't matter, you know. And of course, he knew that that was the signal that it really did matter. Mm. And he just persisted. Nothing's wrong. I'm fine. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> so he persisted. And uh, uh, it finally she said that three days earlier, her mother had phoned. He, she didn't have to say much more than that because he just knew that the relationship between the daughter and the mother was such that a phone call from the mother was in, invariably very distressing and, and upsetting and raised a whole lot of garbage. And, and um, she had stuff that had been said and that hurt her and that offended her from her mother and issues she needed to process. And the one that could really help her process it was her husband. But he was too busy, business and work and ministry and meetings and stuff. And, and he stopped and held her and, and, and he said to his wife, well, she's really upset you, has she? And the wife just buried her head in his shoulder and wet his underarm with her tears. And, uh, and he just said a number of soothing things. He said, look, I've got to get out to a meeting. We've got to go and do the, you know, but when we get back tonight, before we go to bed, you tell me everything that she said. And we're going to, he said, but immediately the spell was broken. Immediately that he just uh, listened enough to hear what the real burden was and, and promised the sense of his support and care for her. The whole atmosphere changed. And by the time they got back that night and he said, well, let's go through it. Well, she said, oh, it's, no, it's all right now. It's, a, it's not a big deal. I guess I've sort of processed it. But he said, if only I'd paid attention the first day. If only I'd just stopped long enough mm. to say to her, honey, something's wrong. I, uh, please, I must know. What is it? How can I help you? He could have saved the next two days of, mm. of, of that ongoing pain that she was. And she lived in that pain. She had to do everything she did every day with that unresolved pain eating at her. And so that comes back to that listening. Just uh, don't be too busy. Don't be too engaged. Don't be too involved. And and there's the encouragement, I suppose, that a small amount, a small change in our uh, in, in our attitude towards listening, towards those who are important to us, and even this is in the business sense as well, to those who report to you, and also even listening to your boss. You feel like you've got to listen to your boss, but sometimes you don't feel like you need to listen to your employees or those people who report to you, but a small change in the level of attentiveness that you put into those relationships will have big rewards. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I know we're out of time. We are out of time. So I, I'll, the next story I wanted to say, I'll say for the next time we get chin wagging. Okay. Sort of stuff. So, well, it's... Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I went back to my birthday. All right. Well, it's, uh, it's a goodbye from me. <laughs> and it's a happy goodbye from me too. Okay. See you guys next Bye-bye. time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.